1: All right, welcome back, beautiful people. This is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielport. And thank you so much for listening to us today. Uh, I'm so thankful for all the input that we've received and the questions. And uh, honestly, the feedback's been amazing. And so we are, are definitely thankful. So tell your friends if they want to learn something about plastic surgery, we are happy to teach them. Um, today's, a, 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 I think, an interesting topic. And for those of us who are absolutely glued to our phones and we look at before and afters and things like that from a plastic surgery office, I'd I think this topic is really relevant and this is standardization of photos and when we look at before and afters what's real what's not and what to look for and how
0: not to really fall into the smoke and mirrors of social media um and also really what to look for in a provider and a plastic surgeon who is really going to be just very honest with you. Um, lately, there's, there's just all types of different avenues for you to go and look for a provider, uh, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, websites, Google, um, YouTube. There are a variety of ways for you to get so-called sucked into a place where you may find some results that are not really real. Um, And we're going to try to help you kind of not fall into the trap of going somewhere and then regretting it in a lot of ways because we've seen it in our own office where people have said that they've seen certain things or they've gone to certain providers or they've done certain procedures and they're incredibly unhappy because they were promised something um, and really the results fell very short.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, you're right. I've, I've scrolled through... Uh, social media posts and you look at some photos and I'll be honest I saw a surgeon's results on rhinoplasty and um, (laughs) the interesting part is I I thought oh, this cannot be real and then I sent it to a good friend of ours uh, Dr. Ashkan Gavami who's uh, you know arguably one of the best uh, surgeons in Beverly Hills and, and does rhinoplasty in the S curve and flash breast augmentation, flash recovery. And he said, look at the photos. And he pointed out some things. And honestly, I was astonished at first because I had missed it. I have a trained eye and I had missed it. So listen, I think this is going to be extremely important because we're going to show you uh, you know, what standardization is. We'll talk about the number of Uh, views of a particular procedure. And then we'll kind of go into some of the things you should be looking for. And I think, uh, you know, hopefully you learned something today. So let's take a step back, first of all, and just let you know that there is a a file that is uh, purchased and sent out by the American Society of Plastic Surgeons that is standardization in photography. And Every plastic surgeon should be aware of this, especially a board certified plastic surgeon, because the idea is that each of our photos needs to be the same, taken the same way, using the same lens, the same lighting from before and afters. And there are so many different examples that will give you. That are really going to help pick apart photos, and you know, even some of our own photos. I look at and we say, "Oh, I wish I would have had the patient lift their head up just a little further," or things like this. Um, and so I can critique our own work. Um, so I'm not necessarily calling anyone else out, but we do have, uh, you know, colleagues who call each other out for for oh, these things. Absolutely, you
0: know, I, I remember as a as a um, as a resident. Um, I went and spent a little bit of time with Pace's Plastic Surgery with Dr. Fawad Nahai. And they actually had a dedicated photographer Mm -hmm. in their office that would take these standardized photos because they realized that from surgeon to surgeon, sometimes the pictures, like you said, the angles were a little off and they wanted it. I mean, they, they were, you know, they ran the Emory plastic surgery program and, and they were, they were really upstanding individuals, all the guys there. Um, and, and they, they wanted it to be as, perfect and precise as possible. So they had a photographer take their pictures. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously all plastic surgeons and all practices can't have that, but that's ultimately what we're all striving to do. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I will say is now with, with the advent of the iPhone or, or the cameras that are in our hands, we think that any picture will do. And it really won't. And what Dr. Lakey said to start this, this, this podcast was these standardized photos need to be in the exact position the same camera, the same aperture, the same lighting
1: for you to really have proper before and after photos. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because, you know, again, we don't have a dedicated photographer, we do it. And the idea is we want to try to adhere to the principles that are given out of this recommended guideline as best we can. And sometimes we fall short. I mean, the idea is I'm going to give every plastic surgeon out there the benefit of the doubt, um, unless they're using someone else's photos, that's different, but uh, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they are trying to adhere to these principles. And when they see a great result, they just want to show it and uh, that they're not thinking about some of these details. And for a patient, I just want to make sure that we elucidate what these technical differences can do, because they can make a result look so much better than it actually is. And ultimately, it's not fair to you. And so, um, you know, we'll we'll give you these little tidbits. And, And
0: for some procedures, you have to be a lot more aware of what you're looking at than others, mm-hmm. um, and that's something that's really important. And, and the minimally invasive procedures, uh, the ones that aren't as surgical procedures, I think those are the ones you need to be very careful because mm-hmm. the smoke and mirrors will be thrown at you big time by a practitioner who is a non-board certified, either you know cosmetic surgeon or a some sort of practitioner that's practicing cosmetic medicine, and is promising these incredible results from like, for example, acne scarring or, Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. fillers that change your whole face and nose. And realistically, it is just a different angle and different lighting. And we're going to go over this just so you learn and you don't get caught in this
1: trap. Mm -hmm. So one of the basics, I think, and again, sometimes we are guilty of it as well. So we'll call ourselves out at the same time. But when you look at certain procedures, um, what really should be done if you're looking at face, nose, breast, anything that's uh, just on the front alone. Um, The idea is you need at least five views. That is two laterals, two obliques, one from the front, and then for rhinoplasty, an additional one is what we call the worm's eye view, which is from below. So you tilt the head and back, so you see six views for rhinoplasty, five for a facelift and neck lift, five for breast augmentation, because you want to see the results in multiple angles. And that's why uh, you know the interesting part of social media, I think, moved to a lot of video because mm-hmm. um, you know positioning sometimes is a little difficult, and if you don't have a dedicated photographer, it's tough. Sometimes it does change. If you are doing images for body, you're gonna need eight views because uh, you're going to rotate and you know do it from the opposite direction as well. Now, some of the oblique uh, posterior views aren't as important as you know straight on, but the idea is the more photos you take the better because people can see everything from a different angle. Um, the second thing is that lighting should be the same. This is where I got sucked in, uh, you know, in two two aspects. Um, you know, one is using the same focal depth, so we want the same distance. It is amazing what you can do if you've got a 104 millimeter uh, lens versus a shorter one with the face, bowing the face out, making it look wider uh, versus making it look narrower. All kinds of things you can do in the patient standing in the exact same spot. It is the lens. So, you obviously, you know, when I'm taking facial photos, I try to set it, uh, you know, at the same focal distance every single time. Um, the other thing is, the, you know, in reference to the lighting, we use uh, a few slave flashes. So, when we, we press, the button to take the photo. It's not direct light that's going straight uh, into the patient's face or body. What it is, it's being reflected off of the walls, you know, because usually we're trying to avoid creating certain shadows and things like that. Or, or drowning out wrinkles. And then mm. we're going to talk about that because if a light is
0: directly shining on your face, or if a flash is directly shining on your face, well, obviously those wrinkles or those bags or those, those tear Troughs or the acne scars, or all these things, they're going to be drowned, you're going to drown them out. Mm -hmm. So, the less lighting is going to show a lot of the little tiny irregularities. Whereas, if there's a lot of light that's basically shining on someone's face, it's not. So,
1: that's right. Or body, you you see, you see a lot of dermatologists use that direct lighting in the after photos, and that is a dead giveaway that the results are not as good as they said. You know, even one of our previous podcasts where we talk about cellulite, you can imagine that if I use top lighting in the before and I use anterior lighting that drowns out, uh, it will look like there's complete resolution of the cellulite. Absolutely. And that's just changing the light ever so slightly. So, you know, you got to take a look at uh, the amount of light because it's one of the most important things.
0: And unfortunately, again, this is a podcast, so we can't necessarily show you some of these things, mm. but you, you can just scroll through your own before and afters, whether they're online or on social media, and you'll see the difference between some of these. And just look at everything we're talking about and scrutinize it really carefully so you can see the difference, make sure that they're very uniform.
1: This is Dr. John Lakey at Forever Young. Hope you're enjoying the show. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after a quick break. The next point, and this is the one that hooked me, I saw these results for rhinoplasty and I thought it is not possible. It looks so absolutely amazing. And they were on-table results. And that's when Dr. Gavami, he told me, he said, look at the before and after and the depth of the pre and post photo. And I had missed it. The preoperative photo showed the face was much larger. So I've got a lateral profile view of a nose. And this nose looked ginormous. And then in the post-op photo, it looked tiny, and I thought, "How can the skin even contract around that?" And what had what the surgeon had done is place the post-operative photo so much further away in the picture that it the, the depth looked so the nose looked so much smaller based off of that, and I fell for it. I thought, "Oh my." Gosh, my rhinoplasty skills are not up to par because this guy is doing some amazing things. And then when you zoom in and make them equal size, now it makes more sense. It was a great shape. He's a great surgeon, um, but my wow factor, you know, was was definitely reduced. But it's easily very easy to fall for these things
0: because most of the time when you're scrolling through before and afters on social media, you don't necessarily sit there and really analyze things. You, mm-hmm. don't scroll, you don't zoom into pictures. And that's why we're here to kind of educate you so you don't get kind of caught into
1: most of the conundrum that a lot of people do. Yep. I will say, um, you know, working top down, one of the interesting things that I always find. So when we look at eyelid or brow surgery and the pre-op photo, the patient, patient looks mad or sad or, you know, where the, the, the brow is dropped, everything, you know, the eyes barely open. And then afterwards they raise their brow, they're looking straight ahead. It looks like a deer in a headlight and you're like, Whoa, they really lifted that brow or the, the eyelid. And it's amazing what subtle expressions, uh, the differences in these expressions can make, you know, smiling Absolutely. versus sitting in repose. And so if you want to take, if you see a photo where the before is not smiling and after is smiling, where it fills up the cheek a little bit and, you know, it's not really a fair assessment of the results. Can it still look amazing? Yes, it definitely can. But, you know, the, there's, a, there's a couple quick things and, and, and these are things you should look for.
0: So facelifts. What you'll notice is, and there are a lot of doctors that do this, the Lateral picture that they take, they'll make them tilt their chin down just ever so slightly, okay? So there'll be a little bit more of a sag. There'll be more of, you know, your 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 jowls would look worse. Your neck would look worse. Everything is going to look just a little bit worse. And then the after picture... It's just tilted up. Mm-hmm. It's ever so slightly. But mm-hmm. let me tell you, some of these crafty surgeons, again, we're not naming anyone, but the beauty of it is some of our lovely colleagues do call some of them out, <laughs> and I love them. You know who you are if you're listening, and, and we love you. Um, but we, don't, we don't have that, that type of, 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 of cojones to do it, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's, that's one of those... Big differences. So when it comes to facelift surgery, that's one. Skin resurfacing procedures. Mm-hmm. Okay. So acne scarring, facial scarring, facial dimpling, any type of any type of scar. Actually, you'll see drowning out. Like I said before, drowning out of the after. So the before the light will be very dim. The after it'll be very bright, and it's used a lot. And you see it, and again, as the layperson, you're like, wow those are incredible results. Mm -hmm. I have bad acne scarring. I have a chicken pox scar like that too. I want to get rid of it. Then you go do it and you're like, well, they tell you, oh, you know, you were like that subset that just didn't work on. We're so sorry. No, it's just the after picture was there to fool you. And unfortunately, Mm. these are some of the things that if you're not really kind of educated on, you're going to fall into the trap. Mm. Now, what about rhinoplasty's?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the difference is most people show one view and it's always a lateral view. And I get where that is probably the most dramatic thing or can be, where you look at a profile, someone's got a big hump or a drooping tip. And then all of a sudden afterwards, it's turned upwards. And a lot of times these are photos that are taken on the table. And and again, I respect that. I do the same thing. Um, But the idea is you should show multiple views because something that looks good from the side may not look good from the front. Remember, the nose is a three-dimensional structure. And so uh, a lot of times, the interesting part is that uh, and even sometimes in my own work i I see where from the front it looks great, from the side it looks great, but from the worms I view from below, now I see an asymmetry of the nostrils, and These are all things that should be taken into consideration when you 're looking at the photos because uh it doesn 't mean that the surgeon necessarily did something wrong, maybe there 's a story behind it, maybe they were very asymmetric maybe, who who knows but the idea is um you know you're if you like a particular nose. From someone's website, you should see it in multiple angles.
0: And we're going to get back to what you said a minute ago. As we move on in a little bit, is is on table results. Um, we post them too, and I and I'm not here to say that they're not good because mm-hmm. initially you want that on table result to look great. But on table results have have their own. Uh, kind of drawbacks. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, but don't get sucked into an on-table result thinking that that is what it's going to look like in a week, a month, three months, or in a year, because that's just the on-table result. Now, moving along, we talked about neck and face, and now I'm going to talk about breast. And one of the big things that a lot of surgeons do is they take before picture with arms down, And then they'll take an after picture with their arms up Mm -hmm. and they'll be like, wow, natural breast lift. Mm -hmm. We just put in an implant or we put fat transfer and look at how much the breasts were lifted. Well, if you raise your arms, your breasts are going to get lifted. And that is just one of the biggest ways to try to fool someone. And some of the real, really amazing board-certified plastic surgeons out there, when they see this, they will call people out. Again, we're not here to call people out. We're just here to educate you. Mm -hmm. But before and after photos of breasts should never have patients' arms up because it's going to change exactly where people's nipple position is going to be, where their breast curves and folds are going to be. It's going to change everything. That's why when we take measurements of someone, we always take the measurements with their arms at their sides. So be cognizant of that as well. And it's the same thing of some lipo pictures. Mm-hmm. If you look at someone's liposuction of, the, of, of their back and flanks, if they're standing up with their arms up, folded in front of them, or their arms up over their head, guess what that's going to do? That's going to actually redistribute or re kind of st- shape the back. So the folds that are dropping, or the fat pockets that are falling, or the skin laxity that's there is going to be taught now because you're holding your arms up. Now, with the same thing, if I use a bright flash at somebody that's got some contour irregularities after liposuction or any type of dimpling or any other problems, that's not going to be there either. So that's another thing. Just be cognizant of these little tiny nuances that we're telling you just so you don't kind of get sucked into it as well. We hope you're enjoying this episode. If you'd like more information about our practice, you can check out our Instagram. It's plasticstocks, P L A S T I X D O C S, on
1: Instagram for more information. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after a quick break. I think going along the liposuction route, one of the things that I easily see is sometimes someone who claims that, that a large abdomen, they're just doing liposuction, they're getting these amazing results. A lot of times what will happen is they'll tell the patient, just relax and push your belly out. And so you have this big bowing belly that's out. And then afterwards, they'll say, all right, suck in. And it will show these results and you think, oh my gosh, well, I can see how the there's a, a slight concavity, especially under the ribs. That is not achievable with liposuction alone. And so it's not fair for someone who's post-pregnancy, you know, has a rectus diastasis where the, the abdomen's blowing out, and, you know, bowing out, and then afterwards they just do liposuction and they're sucking in. I mean, it's, it's a not really a fair assessment right there. I mean, in our so, world, it's unethical. I mean, in yeah. a
0: lot of ways, and, and, and we don't believe in that. So you'll see it's just, you know, and everyone to each his own, they'll do with what they want, and, and the other thing is it, always be cognizant of how far out the pictures are mm-hmm. because someone can post a, a one-week result that may be incredible, whereas a three-month, six-month, two-year, you want long-term results. So the longer out, the better. Always, It's kind of like what Dr. Lakey just said. Now, somebody can do liposuction on somebody alone and the they, swelling is still there, so it looks really good because nothing has come down. Three months later, you see all these contour irregularities, skin laxity, and it was the wrong procedure for them. But they're like, hey, look, this patient needed a tummy tuck, but we only give them liposuction and look how good they look. Yes. So you can really get stuck in a lot of these different nuances. That, and some people are incredibly crafty. You have to realize... The cosmetic world is very big. There are not that many board-certified plastic surgeons. So everyone else out there, including general surgeons that have done a cosmetic surgery fellowship, uh, OB-GYNs, and uh, family practitioners, a bunch of other people who want a piece of the pie, well, they'll do everything they possibly can to look like they're on this, you know, they're on par with Same caliber. With you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, the interesting part- I And think, there's no board governing them, sorry. So, uh, no, uh,
1: I, I, one thing that I can say, like to, to defend some surgeons is sometimes we post relatively early results to, for a reason. So let's say we post a three month or even a six week post rhinoplasty. The real reason why we do that is to show you, hey, look, your nose can look really good and it's only taken six weeks to three months. But we really should follow up with it at one year to show you how the nose can change. Because the nose is, listen, depending on the thickness of the skin, how much swelling, your nose can change for two to three years. And so- um, you know, it. a lot of this, again, I, I preface the entire podcast by saying we're giving everybody the benefit of the doubt because this is why we're doing it. And so um, it's not that everybody's trying to be nefarious, but um, you have to be wary if especially, you know, if there is a, a non-invasive or minimally invasive procedure that looks unbelievable, it's because it is. There's, there's something else to play or the patient has gotten 10 different treatments or, you know, it, it's just, it's not fair. But unfortunately, because this is a cash business, this is what happens. I mean, people do crazy things to uh, boost their image and money. I mean, and, for, for money. So, um, And everyone's and, looking for the
0: non-invasive way to make themselves look better without having to really go under the knife. So if they take their phone and they look at a practitioner who's got a million and a half followers that is doing things that are like, holy... I mean, there's stuff that me and you looked at over the years that I'm like, how did he do this? And then after the fact, you're like, it's impossible. He didn't do this or she didn't do this. It's just a bunch of smoke and mirrors. And mm-hmm. and after a while, you just kind of say, okay, it is what it is. You educate your people and you go from there. But now that we have this platform that we can act actually educate the masses hopefully the ones that are listening can say hey okay some of the stuff that's really too good to be true is i mean i had a patient that came yesterday and she showed me a picture of a very famous celebrity and incredibly incredibly skinny with a perfect body and then she showed me a before and after and she went from having no hips and no butt to having hips and a booty and I said, "I'm sorry, I I, I can't do that to you. Uh, it, it's impossible. You have no fat on your body. I don't know how. To, well, well, then how did she do this? And and then there was an article about how it happened, and it was with multiple injections of fillers and Sculptra, and it's just not possible. It's and, yeah, it's just not. And it's and it's interesting because listen." We're not the type of people that are going to give you empty promises because we like relationships with our patients. We like people to come back. We don't want people to be unhappy. So I don't step outside my comfort zone. And if I ever have, it's been a mistake because I'm like, I've tried things that I've seen people do. And I'm like, wow, this really doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because the it's the public's kind of being kind of outsmarted. Fleeced. And it's done because social media really gives you a very warped perception of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what you said earlier is if you can see videos of people moving and if, if things are not just in repose, then it's a, a much better indication of what things look like and what you can expect.
1: Mm-hmm. One other area, which I think especially over the last five years, people are really taking advantage of our pictures with a Brazilian butt lift. Oh, yeah, I was going to get this. Yeah, you, you talk about it all the time. And, you know, it's where the beforehand they show the The underwear is up very high, and then or, no, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, they'll it, use they'll it, use like the wide underwear, uh, yes. where it looks like the buttocks. You know, you're wearing the granny panties, and then the the after picture is in a g-string. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, if you put my butt. In in, in 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 granny underwears and then but just gave string. us a visual here. <laughs> it'll look it'll look like it's popping. I mean, come on guys. Everyone's gotta at least figure that one out. Mm-hmm. And the one thing we always tell people, listen, just liposuction of your flanks is gonna make your butt look
1: better. Yes. You're coring out that area, it increases that curvature. And so it, without adding any volume, you know, it makes it look better. And the one thing to be as
0: we're talking about the BBL craze is, and, and some of our colleagues are excellent at this and, and, and we are not talking about you, but there are others that will take as much fat and fluid as there is in surgery and just plump the butt up. They'll take pictures and videos in surgery. Wow, look how amazing. You'll never see an after four, five, six months, a year later. Mm-hmm. You don't see how that fat gets resorbed. So what you do is, is you get stuck and caught up on that on-table result You'll go to a plastic surgeon and say, "I want this," and that plastic surgeon will say, "Okay, fine. I'm going to fill it up just like this." But then you'll be very let down when most of that fat goes away, or you get oil cysts, or you have other issues because the fat wasn't harvested and grafted properly. Mm-hmm. So you know, a lot of these things can can really you can. You can get fooled very easily by just getting sucked into it. And again, watch the lighting. Some mm-hmm. of the lighting, even, even on table results are just so accentuated. You see things look bigger than they are mm-hmm. and and the angles and, and people are really good at it.
1: Yeah. Uh, listen, I think a lot of the takeaway points today, it, again, we're not saying that we're all trying to come up with tricks to, to, to you know, snafu you, but... Um, some of the things, especially on social media, you got to just pay attention to. And so that is make sure the photos are standardized. Make sure that the lighting is very similar. Um, You know, make sure that the position of the patient is the same. They're not smiling in one and not in the other. The last one, uh, you know, that I think we should touch on and and we're guilty of it as well. It's really because patients are coming in at obviously different times Our pre-photos patient with no makeup, post photo, patient with makeup, you Very know, you, you've all seen photos of someone where they haven't had any work done and they've had a complete uh, makeover using just makeup and it looks like a different person. Um, and so it, it's, it, that part can, it is not fair. What I would say, if you do see the makeup, look at some of the contour lines, let's say it's a facelift and someone's wearing makeup afterwards. Maybe on the eyes, it won't be as easy to see, Um, but you can look at the jawline. You can look at the neck contour. You can it doesn't mean that the photos are no good. It's just in an ideal world, would it be great if you had a photo, you know, both before and after without makeup or both before and after with makeup? You know, you'd rather have it without so you can see every contour. But um, the idea is sometimes, the after photo isn't necessarily, if they weren't wearing makeup, it's not what they would do in normal life. And so you're seeing the way they represent themselves in normal life. So it's a, it's a great
0: point though. And, and because the lip lift procedures become so popular, mm. taking an after picture with makeup on for the lip lift and showing how amazing the lip lift looks mm-hmm. without the scar, mm-hmm. well, wow, everyone's going to be like, wow, that's amazing. The downside to the procedure is the scar. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I take my after photos of a tummy tuck with underwear covering the scar because that's how people are going to walk around on a daily basis. People walk around with a bathing suit on and the tummy tuck scar is hidden below that Mm -hmm. bathing suit line. The difference is that lip lift scar is a bullseye in the middle of your face. So, the honest thing to do is take a picture without any makeup to show how the the lip lift scar looks like, so you can understand what you, and and ex, you know to, to set yourself with your proper expectations. Mm-hmm, so these are the little things that you know. And again, when we say these things, it's taken us years to correct some of our own mistakes, and we do everything in our power to not do anything to basically. Throw smoke or mirrors, smoke and mirrors, or a cloak over anyone, and and make them really it make everything be as honest as possible. So whatever they're getting, they know what they're getting themselves involved with.
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh, you know. Again, I, you could go to any plastic surgeon's website, and we're all guilty of some of these things because they're unintentional. You're taking photos, and and maybe you, you forgot the lighting on a certain one or not. But what I would say is if. Their occasional photo that's a little different, totally get it. If all the photos are like that, where, you know, as you said, a neck lift where the pre-op photos are looking down and the post-op are looking up, well, listen, that's it's not as ethical as it should be. So,
0: And the results um, aren't going to be as good and you're going to be let down. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and my biggest takeaway at the end of this is my biggest kind of pet peeve is the people that really do non-invasives and promise just the most incredible results um, because they have these these before and afters that kind of are doctored. And, mm-hmm. and we, we have a governing board and if we do anything to our pictures, they will take our board certification away. A lot of the people that aren't board certified by by the American Board of Plastic Surgery um, can do whatever they want to their pictures. Mm -hmm. So they can put up a before picture and then totally Photoshop the after picture and you can do nothing about it. So just be careful. Make sure you look at the credentials of the the provider that you're looking at. Go to a board certified plastic surgeon. Um, If you're getting a dermatologist, go to a board certified dermatologist. These people have passed rigorous exams and also they adhere by certain Ethical guidelines, and that's the key behind it. Now, it doesn't mean that we all do. There are some that are going to go off the beaten path and mm-hmm. do their own thing, but most of the people are going to stick to it because, again, this is our own. We have pride in what we do, and we want to show our, our work, and we really want to show ourselves off.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, I uh, I um, I hope that you really learned something today. I think that um, you know, again, we're not all out there to uh, to fleece, you guys. Uh, the idea is we're, I mean, we're trying to give you some hints and tips on things that we can do just to make sure that the photos are legitimate. And um, again, if you have any questions, feel free to email us, contact us. Uh, we love hearing the feedback. and we're, we're so appreciative that you guys are listening. Once again, this is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielpour. You can listen to us on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts,
0: or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Peace. <music> From iHeartRadio, Forever Young is produced by Brandon Morgan. Josh Windish does our editing and mixing.
1: Payman and I serve as executive producers along with Dana Brunetti and Keegan Rosenberger.